Welcome to MAP, the bi-weekly market access podcast provided by Mars Market Access and Pricing Strategy, which is your healthcare consultancy in the German-speaking markets. Mars makes it as easy as possible for you to get your pharmaceutical, medtech, or digital health product to the market and, of course, get the price it deserves. My name is Stefan Walzer. I'm the founder of Mars and a health economist by training and working in the fields of market access, reimbursement, pricing, and health economics already since 2004. And now let's learn about the market access and reimbursement systems around the globe. Digital health applications is still, let's say, the, the kind of in discussion in the German healthcare context, obviously also around the world. Very specifically, Germany has implemented roughly two years ago, it was uh, in the mid of 2020, a so-called DIGA fast track process, which is a fast track process for digital health applications with a risk class 1 or 2A, which is then also important basically in the hands of the patients, which is a core differentiation. That's a clear definition as well available. Um, Companies also around the world, no need to have basically a subsidiary, for example, in Germany, could apply for that fast track process, which basically means that you would need to prove an, a potential for an added benefit in a way for your product in, that's also important, the German healthcare context. If there's at least a potential, then the B farm, which is the, uh, which is the institution, the body, who is then deciding on the registrational inclusion of the DIGA in that DIGA registry uh, could then decide for preliminary listing, which would then mean that the company would need to run a so-called German DIGA study. Normally, it is a randomized controlled trial, even though that this is not a must. I think the current kind of DIGAs, what we see is that they all run at least one of the RCTs. And then after 12 months, there's the possibility to, let's say, have a, a further three plus three months um, time, just in case it's not possible to, let's say, execute in those 12 months, then the need is there, the requirement is there that the company needs to submit then the full evidence package to the BFAM. After that, the BFAM can decide on the full listing in the DIGA registry, meaning that after that full listing, the price negotiation three months after that will start with the head association of the German health insurance funds. This is the body which is, let's say, negotiating that the price with the DIGA companies um, is consisting out of the still roughly 100, a bit less, 100 of health insurance companies we have in Germany. There's the two, three ones. And this is then where the whole negotiation basically starts from. Very important here also to keep in mind is that the BFAM is only the registration body. The price negotiation is then with the payer. And obviously the German payers also have different requests. It's not formal requirements, but there is an internal body and an internal, um, let's say, department in a way, it's the so-called so the, the Medizinischer Dienst, who is then running a health technology assessment for those price negotiations for the payers, um, meaning that obviously one would need to be taken into account as well, even beforehand, the, the payers' perspective, ideally. A lot of times, that is, can be seen now, that this payer perspective has not been taken into account. It has fulfilled the BFAM um, requirements, but is not, let's say, satisfying the German payers. 
think this is an important consideration, but also there are a couple of other, let's say, kind of flaws, one could potentially say even. Once um, you would as well have a look on the number of prescriptions, on the utilization of the DIGA so far, it's at least not fully satisfying for people close to digital health in Germany. We have only a couple of thousand prescriptions overall per month and only very few still physicians prescribing digital health applications to patients. Core cool question basically remains, what is the core reason for that and what is maybe the kind of idea what was happening uh, behind the kind of legal um, frame for the DIGAS when it was implemented roughly two years ago. With whom could we better discuss this than with Dr. Henrik Mattis? He was the managing director of the so-called Health Innovation Hub from March 2019 until it was basically stopped, which was then in December 2021. The Health Innovation Hub was the digital health think tank of the Federal Ministry of Health in Germany, and it was one of the, I would say, incubators as well of the industry from within Germany, but also from outside, and who was then bringing all of the different perspectives with respect to digital health into their kind of discussions. Dr. Mattis is now as well the CEO and co-founder of a company which is putting together different, let's say, data, health data in a digital way to also improve, obviously, the system there. And it's also a freelance supporter of HIPT Health as well. Beforehand, he was a co-founder and managing director also for, for different digital health companies. So let's just see what he basically replies to all of those questions as he was in the inner circle of the execution, especially in the early days, but also in the first generally two years time of digital health. Thank you, Dr. Mattis, uh, to have you here. Um, just generally, I mean, you have been obviously at the forefront of the DIGA launch in 2020. Um, so what are the areas you would say have worked and where would potentially an adjustment be needed after those now roughly two years of DIGAs in Germany? First of all, thank you very much for having me. Um, my pleasure to, to, to be here and have the opportunity to speak about DIGA and probably also many other digital health related topics. DIGA was a pioneering um, adventure um, and at the core of the DIGA concept is that it has to be accompanied by a agile lawmaking process. Um, we tried something that was never tried before and we, we started with the lowest risk class in order to not have any damage in case something doesn't work as planned. But it was always clear that once first um, a real world evidence has been generated and, and experiences in the daily care practice that it should also be evolved towards higher risk class products. But let me first maybe focus on the status quo, um, DIGA as is, uh, risk classes one to two A. First, we underestimated how much resources are needed and focus is needed to bring the message and educate the um, doctors um, out there about all these possibilities. When DIGA was planned, obviously the pandemic was not uh, um, taken into calculation and 
There were so many other digital initiatives, such as the electronic patient record and um, in, in the hospital area, the uh, Hospital um, um, Innovation Act, that doctors in Germany were just flooded with all these new innovations and processes and concepts and, and also regulatory um, requirements that DIGA is not on top of their mind. But I am so far happy that despite all that, DIGA is nowadays prescribed a couple of 10,000 times a month, roughly, um, that more and more DIGA are taking part in uh, or are accepted in the registry, that we have really a vibrant um, ecosystem by now in, in Germany and Europe to develop such solutions. And that patients overall are very happy with this addition, especially because it's now part of their everyday life. Um, any healthcare so far was usually centered around the location of the doctor, if that is the medical practice or the, the hospital. And DIGA is one of the few ways that, that we currently have in our healthcare system to extend this impact into really the everyday life and support and accompany a patient in his or her everyday life with very specific uh, medical grade um, uh, supported solution. So this is positive. Of course, many aspects such as pricing is something that had to be found out. I mean, we didn't give uh, manufacturers the freedom to set the price because we thought this is the best idea of all, but no one knows what a right price is. I mean, I would argue still until today, no one really knows. So giving the autonomy in the first year to the manufacturer has been of some, some um, risk. And I mean, all the public debate was around these so expensive um, solutions. I would always want to take into consideration the amount that was spent into DIGA in general over the past 18 months equals zero point and then six zeros follows before we have a one eight percent of the total budget of the German healthcare system. So if we are not willing to invest the tiniest fraction possible into something that is considerably changing the mindset of all stakeholders in our healthcare system, then we should question if we are ready to survive with, with the system at all. Yes. Brilliant point. Absolutely. The individual solution is expensive. I mean, paying 450 euros for a digital application that has not generated all the evidence yet, although certain steps had already been taken. And this is not a funny yoga app that, uh, which is often mixed up, um, uh, would have no proof to be in the Redigga registry, but this is already a certified medical product and so on. Yes, maybe too expensive in the first year, but looking long-term at the impact of the entire fast track on the public debate in all rounds of German stakeholders in the healthcare system is 
worth that we pay a few 400 euro solutions, I would always argue. And the manufacturers and the association of all statutory health insurances could have cleared that up before the DIGA fast track even started. They are the ones who could have set price limits, which we back then as Health Innovation Hub uh, strongly recommended to, to all parties to avoid that we even have this current setup that a manufacturer is setting a reasonably high price. Yeah, I mean, it's probably two different things here, right? I think one, I mean, those, let's say, upper limits of a price might now come into effect, right? I mean, that was now the kind of uh, also arbitration decision just beginning of the year. Um, but I think the, the other question, which is probably, which I would maybe take now as a first one, um, has there been maybe a bit more of a political push into digital health, uh, let's say two, three years ago in comparison to the last one or two years? Because one could imagine, I mean, as you said, it's agile lawmaking, which I think is not the standard what we at least, I think, know from Germany, oh, right? So no, this was really innovative from a political yeah. kind of point of view as well. And I mean, if I would take that a bit further, I would also say yes. I mean, if you want to change something, we need to have the incentives everywhere, right? And if I follow a bit the kind of current discussions, maybe blaming a bit the health insurances currently, for sure they're in the negotiation mode, no problems. But it sounds more that they want to go really at a very low kind of price. And then it's basically what you said, what are we willing as a society to pay to change such a system? So is there another push maybe from a political side currently? At the moment, um the new head of the Federal Ministry of Health um, decided that first they need to get an overview of the current setup and all challenges, and then in 2023 um, come up with uh, new initiatives in terms of regulation. So we probably cannot expect too many changes in this current year, which is unfortunate because um, all those challenges, um, they do not vanish. So we need to continuously adapt. Um, and this is what I meant with agile lawmaking. Yes, it's not at all the standard case in, 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 in at least Germany, but um, it was practice in the past um, three years until 2021, where a new law was passed every month. And that was maybe too much of it, but um, finding ourselves somewhere on the middle ground could, 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 could help here. So I would argue we need the Ministry of Health to be still the pacemaker, to continuously develop the current system and, and, and let it evolve, uh, set the frame and learn from all the experiences that we have. But this DIGA fast track is one of the extremely few kind of lab environments that we have to try out new stuff. Just take value-based healthcare. Some of the Dinger manufacturers wanted to already have now a pricing that is depending on the outcomes. It didn't went through for various reasons, but imagine what impact this would have on our healthcare system when we would start to value solutions depending on the outcomes. And DIGA are one of the very few solutions that we have where all the data is available as of now. So why not start here and use this lab situation 
to learn how it works. And to be honest, learning has to be made on all stakeholder levels, not just the manufacturers, also the doctors. How do they um, include DIGA into their daily practice? Um, how do you educate their, their, their staff? Uh, how to distribute roles new, um, how to um, evolve the processes so that digital is part of, for example, the, the anamnese, um, many more of that. But think also about health assurances, mm -hmm. their expertise in terms of understanding um, app metrics is still very limited. But it's crucial if you want to understand in the end, does this app work, yes or no? How do you read retention uh, KPIs? How do you translate adherence to a digital solution? Um, how do you define outcome? What outcome uh, uh, measurements do you need? All these questions could be tried out in this DIGA environment because it's all working in there. All the manufacturers are willing to. Um, we have all the data and yet, Yes, it's still a limited scale that we have, which is bad in terms of it hasn't gotten to mass custom, uh, mass acceptance yet, but it can also be seen as, okay, now we have a, an environment where we have very much willing patients who are um, digital first, or at least have a very good um, understanding of the digital solutions. We have some doctors who are very much willing to try out this, Uh, new digital world um, and we have a, a framework that's regulating how payments is done why not try that for something new yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that that's actually a very good point as well um if i would maybe think of let's say the current kind of process with let's say manufacturers going to the bay farm where i think consultations work quite well yeah. um But then there's, let's say, a kind of, let's say, gap, right? I mean, we have the BFAM, which is more the kind of registration body, obviously. And then we have, as you said as well, the health insurance is on the other side, which kick in a bit later, especially when we come to the price negotiation. Um, would you maybe advise companies to also see and discuss with at least individual health insurances, because I think the, the, the head association cannot be approached beforehand in order to combine, let's say, the request from the beef and registry perspective and the payer side as well, because that could maybe as well lead up down to the point that maybe we can agree later on with the price on a volume, uh, sorry, on a value-based kind of model later on. Is that maybe an approach you go? So speaking with the party who is paying you in the end is never wrong. And you should do that as early as possible. Now, there is not the one health insurance who can speak for all the others. And the Association of Health Insurance Funds is the current go-to place because they are the ones who are leading the price negotiations. So you could try that. Um, I don't know if, if, if they are already up to it. Um, I would doubt it, to be honest. Um, but speaking so far with other health insurances to start to understand their thinking, And how they allocate budget and all of that makes a ton of sense. Luckily, we also now have a lot of experiences from the first price negotiations. The brave first digger who went into these negotiations didn't know anything what would come out. This has changed. 
And many DIGA manufacturers say by now, knowing what we heard from the price negotiation, we would have set up different already our scientific um, uh, evidence study. And we would have approached the topic pricing differently. So definitely take this into account. BFARM is the gatekeeper to enter the system, but the one key long-term um, negotiation partner that any DIGA manufacturer has is the Association of Statutory Health Insurance Funds. Yeah, fully agree, fully agree. Um, I would also take up um, another point what you mentioned beforehand. I mean, it's the number of prescriptions or utilization of DIGA so far. I think you have just said, you know, it's, it's, it's a couple of thousands per month, which I think is already a good start. And we might have, especially, obviously, the early adopters from the physicians, but also from the patient side. Um, Besides maybe the, let's say, the kind of general explanations why that is maybe not so much satisfying, I was hoping a bit for more, right? Um, but how could this potentially be changed also in the future? What are potential levers would you think could potentially work to really bring that up to the next level? The one really lever is the doctors. And here, so far, not much resources are spent to understand how a their daily process work as of now and more importantly b how they should be adapted given that diga is now part of the toolbox a doctor has only if a doctor hears from another doctor how he or she has changed their processes and is getting better results or saving time or whatever other freeing up time for 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 leaving the the practice earlier only then will more and more doctors adapt and this is not trivial at all you need to have a deep understanding of the current setup of ambulatory care of processes within the practice um, of all the many regulatory requirements that a doctor needs to fulfill, but also how roles between doctor and team is set up and, and, and how many kind of variables you have in the equation. But it's totally worthwhile and someone needs to do it because otherwise DIGA, but also the many other digital health solutions that we currently put in place and that could improve significantly the life of the patient and could also improve the work of the doctors are not made use of because doctors are just overwhelmed and they stick to what is working and that's completely human. But we now need to find someone who spends enough time and budget to come up with a new normal for ambulatory care processes. Yeah, good point. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you also just mentioned, I mean, the different digital health solutions. I mean, you have also mentioned early in our discussion, I mean, we're especially focusing with the DIGAS on risk class one and two A. Um, but even within those, let's say, especially probably more the two A's, there might sometimes also be those kind of digital health, let's say, solutions, which are more covered under the term monitoring. And some of those monitoring are just by definition, maybe not a DIGA, even though that I think some of those could be really useful, I think for the patient, for the physician, for the system. How do you see that potentially be involving, not discussing about 2B or 3, right? But would you see that maybe 
as well being involved later on as well in the DIGA path? Or would you rather say monitoring is maybe still something where, let's say, the kind of method assessment might be applicable, obviously, for the GBA, because we first want to have the full evidence? My hope is that DIGA, like any DIGA in the registry, will evolve over time. The one thing that we should be clear about, these risk classes don't really fit what the solutions already today are capable of. Mm -hmm. Many of these current DIGA could do way more than they are allowed to. And if they would do more, they would have to be upgraded to the risk class to be. Mm -hmm. So we need to continue evolving the model that at some point of time, we also have a slightly different, it's then probably not a fast track, it's a DIGA 2.0 track or however you want to call it, which includes uh, 2B, maybe even 3. Of course, then with a different setup, with higher requirements, maybe you need then all the evidence up front, um, any of that. We know from science that any digital solution can only have limited impact. But as soon as you include a human component, then the impact will significantly rise. We set up the DIGA fast track in a way that only the digital part is being compensated for, for various reasons. Otherwise, it would not at all have gone through. But evolving the DIGA fast track will hopefully also include that digital solutions who combine their algorithmic, uh, or their algorithms or their digital setup with human compo components like weekly coaching sessions or weekly checkups by some qualified uh, personnel will have significant more um, uh, impact and thus create way better evidence. But it's, of course, opening up a thousand new questions, which are difficult for especially the German healthcare system, because then it's not just a separate digital solution. It is then going way more into how do we in the future want to distribute work? Um, how much has to be done by a local doctor who's facing you um, in person? And how much can be kind of outsourced to a scalable solution that is not holding a um, statutory health insurance chair um, and is not part of the traditional setup. Um, and how much then is driven by corporates and how much is still then driven by individual doctors. I guess that is why currently we only focus on really digital solutions, but we all know that this is very short-minded. We have to think about, at least think about, how we can include human components into the otherwise strictly digital um, uh, diagnosis or therapeutic uh, approach. Yeah, it's a very good explanation. Absolutely. I mean, you just mentioned already a bit, let's say future and, uh, you know, just uh, let's say in the next, maybe I was just interpreting 10, 15 years. How do you envisage, envisage digital health in Germany, maybe by 2030 or 2035, knowing obviously what is all going on with maybe not so much focusing really this time, let's say the legal aspect, but rather let's say on the care aspect, what would you envisage? How would Germany look like in roughly 10 years time? 
So I don't even dare to think about the next five years um, because <laughs> we always underestimate um, the, the impact of technological advancements. Um, we, we overestimate it for the next two years, but completely underestimate it for the next four years. Four years ago, digital health was not even part of the healthcare system as such. Um, that's when, when uh, before we even started the Health Innovation Hub. So um, let me speak about the next five years. I do hope that we come up with a smart setup in which anyone can be treated wherever they are by whatever means fits best in the current setup, driven by data and not like overcoming all the silos that we currently have between, no, this is ambulatory care, this is uh, hospital care, we do not exchange any data and, and uh, it's not interoperable and so on. Um, where topics like remote monitoring are absolute standard because we know that it is working. We just don't know how to bring that innovation into our current setup. I do hope that data is seen as a critical part of any medical intervention and not as the one critical part that anyone tries to avoid. Um, I have some hope that we are kind of forced into this future in a positive way by the European Union. They just um, announced their plans for the European health data space. What you read in there is so science fiction uh, in the eyes of a German patient, but also so beneficial for a patient-centric uh, healthcare system that I hope we in Germany uh, make use of this kind of externalized vision um, and, and, and go that path and prepare ourselves for such a setup where data can flow, be used for research. Um, patients are in charge of their um, uh, diagnostic and therapy uh, pathway um, to decide whom they want to share data with, where we have clear um, requirements, how data is handled. Um, at the moment, it's totally unclear how data is handled. We just know what is forbidden, but we don't know at all what is allowed. Um, so there's a lot of room for improvement here in Germany. That is a, a great, nice outview or outlook maybe into the future. Um, I would like to end maybe with one final question. Uh, if you could advise, let's say, a non-German company or out of the DIGA world, what are the three must-haves or must-dos in order to be successful in the German DIGA world from your perspective? Probably the one is find a German-speaking individual who, now, who, who knows in detail the German healthcare system part that you want to approach. Without an in-depth knowledge of the regulatory world, the uh, stakeholders, the processes, the um, kind of benefit situation of the various parties, um, whom you will make your enemy and whom you should try to make your ally, um, you will fail. Um, this is such a complex setup. Even after three years, having the luxury to, to spend every day my, my working time with the German healthcare setup, do I have not understand maybe 20% of it? So if you're an outsider and don't even 
know how a patient life is in the German healthcare setup, you need to boost yourself with someone who is really an expert in your specific field. Um, ideally, you also have a broad overview because you will evolve, but definitely in your specific field. And do not only um, focus on, on the patient side, you need to focus also on the doctors because without them, you will not get prescribed or recommended or really uh, used or uh, used in a, in a, in a adherence uh, compliant way. Um, so definitely that is the one advice that I would give anyone. Find this individual who also needs to speak German, by the way, because this is a very German setup, but who knows your target part of the German healthcare system really by heart, ideally from a, from a care perspective um, and not only from a patient perspective. Perfect. Thank you, Dr. Martis. That was great insights. Thanks for your time. And hopefully as well, talk to you soon again. Thank you very much. That was an episode of MAP, the market access podcast provided by Mars Market Access and Pricing Strategy, which is your healthcare consultancy in the German-speaking markets. MAP is available every second week with a new episode, so watch out. And in case you might have questions, contact me directly and or visit our website on www.marketaccess-pricingstrategy.de.